Blog Talk Radio. by bensound.com. Welcome everyone to today's Earth Energy Forecast show on this Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. Thank you for joining us on this full moon lunar eclipse day, or if you're listening later in the archive or on the podcast. I create a YouTube video of every show, so you can also follow me on my YouTube channel. Just search for Joan Serio in YouTube. Well, today is the second eclipse of July, and some astrologers say it is the most potent one of the year. The eclipse happens this evening at 5.38 p.m. Eastern at 24 degrees Capricorn. It is so powerful because big karmic cycles are ending. It is a turning point for all of us. This is a time of letting go, and whatever changes come in our lives as a result of this eclipse will be permanent. There is no going back to what was. More information about these changes will be revealed after the planets go direct in 2020. This Cancer Capricorn North Node South Node axis is taking us into our hearts and emotions and asks us to balance this with our power and place in the world. We are now taking responsibility for ourselves in a new way because we're redefining what the words career and success mean. With Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn, the old societal structures and ways are crumbling. What should we recreate in their place? We must ask our hearts and come from there, and only from this place of communion with the universe can we build lasting structures based in love and compassion, not fear and competition. The heart is the seat of our emotions, and what better topic to talk about today but the element that represents emotion, water. Today I want to welcome a friend of mine that has devoted over 20 years to loving water, blessing water, and healing through water. Jane Reading has been working on behalf of a healthy environment and clean water for decades. In 1993, Jane received a vision and meditation that guided her to think about water from a metaphysical perspective. Trained in hands-on healing, Jane applies energy healing principles to clear and restore both the waters in the environment and the waters in our bodies. She teaches workshops that deepen our relationship to water, and she also encourages us to embrace our personal mastery and service to the planet. She has been offering healing ceremonies for 20 years and has sponsored a new moon water blessing monthly since 2002. Her website is watertransformations.com and you can reach her at jane at watertransformations.com. Welcome to the show, Jane. Hi, Joan. Thank you. It's a delight to be with you. Well, thanks for joining us today. It's so 
wonderful to have you on the show. We've done work together in the past, and um, I know your work is wonderful and it continues today, and we both share something in common other than water. We share that love for water and that respect and, and just how valuable and important water is. Now, we all know that water is necessary for life, but there's so much more that water does. But before we get into all of that, can you just, you know, share with us how you came to fall in love with water? Oh, thanks. Uh, You know, I, as a child, uh, my family used to take uh, a week vacation and rent a cabin on the the beach in Lake Michigan um, in a little town called Grand Haven. And so really just even two, three, four years old, sitting there on the beach, sandy beach, looking at sunsets, I just loved water. And I grew up really close to the Detroit River. And so it just water was everywhere uh, around me in Michigan, but it was also close to me in proximity too. And, um, and I, uh, I've, I always loved swimming. I was like a little kid, you know, a fish in everybody's pool, you know. So I, I just you couldn't get me out of the water, really, once summer had come. So that really started it. And so what happened that you went to the desert, Jane? Because I met you in Sedona, <laughs> and I know that you, you don't live there now, but you live <laughs> close yeah. to there. I mean, why, why the desert, Jane? Isn't that a a conundrum? Uh, You know, it's where spirit has parked me for now. And I I kind of have come to the conclusion that uh, my work uh, sometimes causes rain. And so maybe the desert needs rain. One time uh, when I was new to the desert, I I got a hotel in um, Phoenix area and it was my first time really experiencing a gentle winter rain in the desert. And I started meditating and just thinking about how grateful the land was feeling for the water. And I felt like I got into a beautiful communion with the spirit of the rain that evening. And it basically said to me, we just wish to be appreciated. And I thought, okay, well, there you go. Maybe that's something that I can continue to communicate to others. And I and I will say that when, especially in the summer, when it rains in the desert, everything, everyone is happy. There, it, there's nothing like being in the desert to experience the joy of rain. Well, maybe that's why you're there. Yeah. <laughs> to stay in that joy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of water. It's a, it's a dancing moment when it rains. That it is. And sometimes it rains a little too hard, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. So how did you come to use water in your healing work? So as you had said, in, in 1993, I asked to be shown my purpose in a meditation, and I was shown a group of people lifting pollution out of a body of water, out of a small lake. And it really showed me that there was something much deeper that could happen. 
Um, and even I heard words at that time, all pollution is just disharmonic energy and can be transmuted with light. So it led me on a, on a quest to understand what that meant. I mean, growing up in Detroit in the 60s, I do remember when the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland and the Rouge River in Detroit both were on fire uh, from lightning strikes you know, hitting debris in the rivers and um, wow. and the the sheen of oil on the river igniting a fire on the river. That's how that mm. happened. So this was, you know, my childhood um, of knowing that rivers could burn. So I always cared about the environment in my childhood. And um, so when I got this message that pollution could be transmuted, it kind of had started everything. And so as I started working out in the environment, I, I, you know, once I got trained in hands-on healing, I just started giving hands-on healing treatments to polluted bodies of water in Michigan. And I felt like the waters were communicating to me a personality and um, that each body of water that I would greet in this way um, would communicate some something to me and over time it it you know my guidance has been primarily from Archangel Michael and he's the one that guided me well now that you can communicate with the consciousness of water in the environment you can also communicate with the consciousness of water in the human body and he basically said that although the environment is polluted, uh, you might even consider that some of the water in people's body may even be more polluted than the waters mm-hmm. in the environment mm-hmm. by all of the thoughts that they think and put into the water in their body. So that That's really, so yeah, it really totally changed how I thought about the human body and about how if you if you think about that we can transmute pollution in the environment with light then we can transmute our own inner pollution with light also mm-hmm. well let's take a step back and talk a little bit about what water is its properties and its relationship to consciousness so let, let's start with water. Water is a, a polar molecule. It's a dipole, meaning there's a positive end and a negative end. And that makes it quite unique. Um, and it also has hydrogen bonding. The hydrogens can bond with the oxygen mo- uh, molecule uh, atom of another water molecule. And that allows it to be... Uh, have a high boiling point. So whatever, what other qualities of water make it unique and factor into your work? One of the things that's fascinating to me about water is it looks like this substance that you, you know, really almost can't really define in a shape. And yet, if you freeze it, you get a snowflake, which 
absolutely has a geometric pattern and its own individual geometric pattern within it. So to me, it's mirroring the same idea of us as individual consciousness as a part of a greater consciousness. So each individual water molecule holds its own consciousness, but is part of the whole of all water and the consciousness of all water. So I just find just the geometry that you can see the geometry of life in water to be ultimately fascinating. Yes, and we could uh, see that um, in Dr. Emoto's work, uh, Messages in Water, and um, he had, I don't know, published I don't know how many books after that, um, has since passed, unfortunately. But through his work and also uh, Jacques Benveniste, there was a, he did a lot of work with, with water also. And we found out that it does hold memory. It can hold some information. And in that way, you say it's conscious. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. The way that my guidance came in is that you could consider water like a chalkboard. And whatever you write upon it is what it will contain until you erase it and rewrite it, rewrite another thing. That's very interesting. Yeah, so it reminds me of um, that movie, and I'm trying to remember uh, where the where the actress um, is deaf and she's writing, you know, all these things all over her body, and then she realizes what that means when she sees the poster, Doctor Himoto's <laughs> poster, you know. Yeah. And then you can put on a bottle of water, I love you, and then the, and then you'll get this beautiful crystal, or you can put I hate you on it, and it will be this amorphous blob, and then she realizes what she's doing, and she changes everything. I mean, that's such a good visual for people. Um, well, that was the What the Bleep. The movie, yeah. What the Bleep. What the Bleep, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a while back, yeah, but, but I, that sticks in my mind. It was such a great visual for people. Yes, absolutely. And and Dr. Emoto really pioneered this idea of looking at frozen water molecules. It, I had, you know, received a, a kind of a different vision of water. Mine was very metaphysical, and his was kind of like, how do you take the metaphysical and make physical out of it? And he and I shared a birthday. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was in good company, I guess. Cancer in. Yeah. Go ahead. I did have the opportunity to meet him in Sedona. Where did you have that opportunity? Yeah, did, did that one uh, time he was at Los Abrogados, or. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I also participated in a, a beautiful healing ceremony and day long seminar with them at Angel Valley. Not too uh, long before he passed. I mean, very close to when he actually passed. That was really beautiful. And one of the things he was speaking about at that time, which to me was really fascinating, was if water has memory, then is memory problems in the human being actually dehydration on deep levels? Yes, yes, yes. 
So, and as a matter of fact, that kind of struck a, a little research opportunity for me, something I didn't know until he kind of triggered me to go deeper. The, you know, our bodies are, say, on average 70% water, but our brains are 85% water. And um, so if, and one other factor about the brain and water, when you drink water and you think you're hydrating your body, the way that water goes into the body, it hydrates the brain first. The brain needs the most water. And so you you could be dehydrated and drink water and think you hydrated your body, but you really maybe only hydrated your brain. And your body still needs more water. And it makes perfect sense because, say, for instance, you were wandering in the desert and you were dehydrated. You would need, most of all, to survive your wits about you. You would need your brain. So your mm-hmm. brain mm-hmm. basically is this amazing, you know, electrical firing, uh, you know, uh, thing that sits in water. And mm-hmm. so I always suggest to people, drink more water than you think you need, especially if you're thirsty. Definitely, definitely. And um, it's interesting because um, Stuart Hammerhoff, who is uh, a physician, he's an uh, anesthesiologist, uh, obviously knows about consciousness because he's sedating people, but also has been studying uh, the roots of consciousness. And um, he feels that it's the microtubules within the cells that... um, transfer the consciousness in the body and what's inside a microtubule. These are like the little uh, skeleton, skeletal structures of a cell. You know, it's like the skeletal system of a cell. And they're hexagonal shaped. And it's quite interesting that um, snowflakes and water crystals are all hexagonally shaped. And inside those microtubules is water. And so it's really the water that is transferring the information because he says that they can go what's called super radiant so they start to vibrate at the same frequency and so it's like um, using a set of dominoes only just imagine all those dominoes vibrating and when one touches another it starts to vibrate at the same frequency and on and on and on and so that's what can create this super highway fascinating and yeah, and that's how information can can quickly go through uh, the body. Yeah, so it, it's really the water, and um, it so makes sense to me that consciousness uh, exists within the water in the body, as as the you know, because there's no part of the body where water doesn't travel to. Well, um, yes, and because. You know, as above, so below. There's no part of the universe where there isn't water. To me, I find it so amazing that on this planet, really, life exists because of water. And so the way that I've come to see it is it's the primary component for creation. And if you think about it in in this way of it having all the potential for creation to happen, even so much as a, the way a baby water, 
um, for nine months in a womb. 98%, you know, amniotic, or 98% sea water, I think, sea-like water is what amniotic fluid is. But, uh, you know, everything grows in water. I mean, we're, we're water beings before we're land beings. So it's creational at its foundation. And so why not utilize that understanding in everything that you create? Yes, because everything does have water, and um, a lot of the water re- well-known water researchers say that water is, no matter where it is, it's connected. It's intelligently <laughs> connected. So whether it's out on, you know, on that black hole, or whether it's uh, out in, you know, another constellation, or whether it's in Lake Michigan or within your body, it's all connected. It's all intelligently linked. I, I, isn't it a lovely thing that we are living at this time, you know, where we have these levels of understanding? To me, that's a great gift. Yes, yes. And, of course, it's one of the, the elements, so, of course, it's, it's definitely needed. And, and I think that uh, water is the medium through which the language of light is written. Um, you know, I, I say that in my book, Hardwired to Heaven, because uh, mm-hmm. without water, we couldn't translate the information that we get from light into a usable form within our bodies. I, I call it like the signalman on the ship, you know. Um, yeah. You know, ships will have signal people on, you know, and they're signaling, you know, okay, we're putting up this flag and this flag and this way and this way, and that's what water will do. It's uh, It can structure itself. We have what's called structured water because it's yeah. a polar molecule. It can line up and, and form different, through the hydrogen bonds, it can form and break and reshape and all and so we get these different forms and it's yeah. really the form that informs as you know because you work with sacred geometry mm-hmm. um, and and so water is uh, part of that everything's part of sacred geometry and we do have those sacred geometry forms that are imparting that information to our bodies I couldn't have said it better. That's wonderful. So, how then, what does, let's put it this way, what does water teach us about the intelligence of life? One of the things that I've been working with a lot lately um, is the mirroring aspect of water. And the first thought that came to me about that, you know, when you look into still water, you see a reflection. And so did uh, self-awareness begin in consciousness because people had a mirror? Up until you realized that water was reflective, could you contemplate yourself? But in the mirror aspect of water, you see yourself, and then you wonder about yourself because you're looking in a mirror. And then if you extrapolate that out, just in its fundamental 
principle, I mean, just that alone, that water has a mirror aspect to it, is just, you know, phenomenal. But I think what where we're at right now on the planet is that the water is mirroring to us our consciousness. And if we listen, we can see our consciousness and where where what the message is of where we can change and grow and evolve so that we understand that we need to be in a in a deeper relationship not only with water but with mother earth yes that's really interesting yeah because mother earth is 70% water just like our body is about 70% water um, like you said, as above, so below. Below, you know, it's all, you know, you study, you know, as they said, you can study the human body and you would know the universe because it is safer in, Yeah, say, for instance, this is just dropping in. Say, for instance, the topic of overfishing. So what is what is water mirroring us that we're taking too much? And um, and so we've upset the balance by taking too much instead of thinking, well, there's a balance that needs to be maintained, and I'll take what I need, but I'll also manage my hunger for things, for my hunger to be satiated at all times and in this way that I want it to be as opposed to what's in balance with the earth. Mhm. Mhm. Exactly. It's it's like that selfishness. I want what I want when I want it and it has to be my way and all of that. Well, this is what the earth to me is kind of showing us. Like, well, yeah, you can have it and then you may exhaust it and if you look historically, you know, lots of Lots of humans on the earth have exhausted the the local resources and had to move on. But at this stage in the earth's evolution, I think that the message is just really loud and clear to, you know, she's asking us to be in, in a better relationship with her. But also, I think she's asking for us to be in a better relationship with each other. Yes, and what about the pollution that we have in our waters, and what is that reflecting to us? If we're polluting Mother Earth's waters, then we must be polluting our own waters within our bodies. So to me, I see um, denial in there that we are, um, and, and I'm just speaking for, you know, uh, we are. We live in the United States. We are Western, you know, minded people. But we are kind of. Um, how do I want to say this? We are wanting. Oh, I just kind of lost that thought. Say that question again. Well, the fact that what what the water might be mirroring that we've polluted so much of our right. water. You know, right. is that mirroring to us that our own personal water within our bodies is also polluted? 
Yeah, thank you. I feel like we're being shown that we need to heal ourselves of the things that are keeping us lower vibrational. Um, and and I, I think until we face that we have pain and that it can be healed, I think that we're not going to get to the place, you know, where the waters are going to be reflecting as much cleanliness as as we could be achieving um you know doing your own personal healing work is not easy and if you are um if you have had a role model of this or if you have hit, hit, you know say for instance you've watched somebody not deal with their problems very well anger issues and that kind of thing um then you have this you know, belief system that, you know, if I let this genie out of the bottle, I can't contain it. I can't control it. And so a lot of, a lot of us are in denial about what kind of healing we really need. Um, and we just, we just say, well, you know, uh, I, I have a right to be, you know, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to feel the way I feel. Well, healing is not about your right to feel it. It's about seeing that you're feeling it. And that awareness allows you to take the next step, which is to accept that you have that feeling. And from there, what are you wanting, you know, to do with that so that that doesn't keep you in a state of unhappiness or poor health or whatever and and you know archangel michael once said to me um for instance he said that i was hard on myself and he kind of suggested that i do a little mind game with myself that if i said a negative thing about myself i had to put a dollar in a bank and if i said a positive thing about myself i got a 20 <laughs> and <laughs> um <laughs> It was such a funny, you know, little game, but, you know, he basically was just saying, you know, this is um, what you have to kind of do is when you acknowledge that you're feeling a certain way that you wish you weren't, you just take a breath and say, oh, well, I love myself anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you were literally investing in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's a good, simple teacher. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's that's great. I, I like that. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> so, so I think that, was... that really it's about personal healing that that's going to start us on the track of getting uh, better, uh, getting along better with each other, and then the earth showing us that we're in a less polluted state. And and say for instance. Um, you know, Emoto's work. He showed positive words created positive crystals and negative words created no crystal form whatsoever. Um, this broken water, really, the molecule. So, you know, he's informing us that everything is connected and that whatever you're putting out there in the world, especially by speech, your body is hearing that. So you think that you're speaking, say, a negative thing to somebody, you know, a criticism to somebody, but your body heard that first, 
So what it really, to me, if you want to really take Emoto's work to the deeper level, it's that there is no separation and that whatever I do to you, I'm actually doing to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because there is no other. We're all right. connected. Yeah, yeah. So tell us more about your healing work and how you use water in your sessions. So when I'm working with somebody, I ask to be in a conversation, like I introduce myself to the water of that person and ask if there's anything that the water would like to show or tell me about what's going on within the water and within the body. Sometimes I'll get a message, uh, say, for instance, there's a disease process um, that 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 is a part of cellular forgetfulness and you can use the water to act as a reminder to the cellular level of what the state of perfection really is because if you think about it water knows how to be water without us putting something in it that's disharmonic water is just fine Water knows how to be water. So it underlying its very existence is its intelligence. It knows what its perfect pattern is. And so I infuse into the consciousness within the water in the body a remembrance of how to reinstate the perfect pattern through all cells, which water is traveling through all cells. So that's one way that water can be informed to rejuvenate the body. Another thing that Archangel Michael told me one time is that, and this was 15 years ago, he said, it will be shown that the electrical firing in the brain Um, is very much related to the balance of water in the brain. And so that's another reason to stay very hydrated because our electrical firing doesn't happen without enough water. Right. And he also said that when we especially have a thought process that's repetitive, it, uh, it will basically crystallize and so then you're you wonder why can't you free yourself of a particular thought pattern and it's because that has become somewhat like a metaphysical crystal that's sitting inside the water in the brain and he pretty much guided me to use energy healing to energize the water in the brain to dissolve those crystals so that you can become free of the patterns of thinking that don't serve you. And I had one client, I did not tell her that I was doing that particular thing, you know, the background of that. And when we finished, she told me that what when I was working on her head, she heard this sound of cracking. And that was such a great piece of feedback as if she became aware that the crystalline structures of frozen thoughts, you know, 
were breaking up in her brain. That's awesome. I know. And can you do that remotely, or does someone have to be there with you, Jane? Nope, I can do this remotely. And I'm also so on I'm Zoom, wondering. so we could be in the same, you know, we could do, you can be live on the on the computer and hear me yep. speaking to you kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, so anybody listening then could partake in this. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what what else do, how else do you use water? You know, I had this lovely dream one time that showed me a very simple technique for getting back in the flow when you feel like you've somehow your life just is not in the flow, like everything just seems to be really difficult or um or you seem to have stepped off your path, etc. And what I was shown uh, was a bowl of water. To get a bowl of water, just sit at the table and run your hand in the bowl in a circular pattern as if you're creating a whirlpool. And once you've got that water going, say, for instance, in a clockwise direction, and it's going and going, then stop your hand and move in the opposite direction. And what you will feel is what resistance feels like on an energetic level. And if you just, it's so fascinating because I feel like I'm kind of a kinesthetic person. And so I think sometimes that's the kind of teachings that spirit gives me is to get the body involved because once Mm -hmm. my body's involved, then my consciousness gets it better. And that was the perfect process for me to begin to put myself into the understanding of when I'm feeling resistance, what does it really feel like? And um, and once you've kind of worked with that a little bit and, and gotten the sense of like that resistance on your hand to go in the opposite direction of, you know, what flow felt like, you all of a sudden then when you enter into situations, you can use that kind of body awareness to go, well, does this situation feel like it's fluid? Does it feel that that it's in the flow or does it feel as if it's giving me resistance? And what is the message there for me? Am I to wait? Am I to look for a different thing to feel more in the flow? Or do, you know, or do I push against this one because that is a necessary technique. But for the most part, I don't think that we need to push against very much in life, <laughs> only when our boundaries are violated but um, mm-hmm. or pushed, mm-hmm. pushed on and you need to push back. But it was it's a fascinating, simple little technique to, to put yourself into the consciousness of like, okay, what does flow feel like and how do I know when I'm in it? so that my life flows. And I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, situations in life that challenge us and don't go the way we want, etc., you know. But then there is a greater flow to certain situations and sometimes arguing is not really the best way to resolve something and so if you put yourself more in flow consciousness, it's an allowing and it's also um, something where 
you're allow you're putting yourself in a place where spirit can give you the better option than your mind can imagine. That's beautiful. You have such great little tips and techniques that are very Thank simple, you. but very Thank powerful. You. I'm yeah. always amazed at these things that arrive. <laughs> are you able to channel Archangel Michael still? Does he still give you information? Uh, yes. yes. It's um it's one of those things where I'm becoming a little bit more of a vocal channel for him, but I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't hang a shingle for that. So what about Fukushima or the Gulf oil spill and what happened to the waters there? Uh, were you able to connect with the waters uh, or could you connect with the waters now? And, and what message does water have for us after the incident? I have worked for with the Gulf of Mexico so much, um, and also Fukushima. Um, as as you said uh, in my introduction, I I will say this to, as an invitation to people: once a month, I choose a body of water that's experiencing stress, and on the new moon, we do a, a meditation. Um, just to tune into how can I be of service and how can I offer love to this body of water and for the thriving of all life. Um, and so uh, I have chosen the Gulf of Mexico many times because that body of water is um, uh, challenged on many fronts and um and so i i work with that body of water a lot and i and you know just the other day uh there was um an article that i did put on my water transformations facebook page that said that um all 21 beaches on the mississippi coast of the gulf of mexico were closed because of blue green algae and so I put it up on Facebook. Okay, everybody, prayers, please. Um, so the Gulf of Mexico is one of those things that if ever you have a mind to offer love and prayers for the restoration of the water, the Gulf of Mexico to me is probably the number one thing for people in the United States to be loving and asking, mm -hmm. you know, how can I be of service? Is there, what can I do to help? And I find that if I just ask that question, I get lovely answers. Um, just as an aside, uh, I led a group um, to do a water blessing meditation for the Maumee River in Ohio, which feeds the Lake Erie, which also has this problem of algae. And um, and I connected in with that there was algae in that river and that the river felt like it couldn't breathe properly. And so I just basically guided everybody into some deep breathing exercises to, and just with the idea that as we were breathing that what we were offering was oxygen to the water. And many people in that group felt the shift. So it's simpler than you think sometimes that, you know, if your intention is that whatever I'm doing is on behalf of somebody else, including a river, then it's true. 
And that's kind of what I mean about embracing your personal mastery is the power of intention is real. And if we allow ourselves to believe that we're making a difference on an energy level, then we are. But, you, you know, if you don't think that intentions work, then guess what? They don't. And if you think they work, they do. So, regards Fukushima, um, right after Fukushima, I actually asked to visit someone that channels in Phoenix, who channels Archangel Michael, Ann Albers. I I requested an emergency session with her and as a and, and told her what I wanted and she as soon as she had a cancellation she worked with me and we channeled from Archangel Michael. It was just nice to have somebody to talk to him, you know, because Fukushima was so big. I, I went ahead and asked for outside help and he gave me such amazing information about Fukushima and how to work with it and how to see it. And one of the first things he said was, you know, people want to place a lot of judgment on the situation. Um, however, people, yes, maybe now we, or we might choose not to build nuclear power, but, but the idea that existed when nuclear power was developed was basically energy to heat homes and cook food and, and supply energy for our lives. And so the essence of the creation of nuclear energy was not a negative thing from the aspect of using it for power. And so just coming at it from a little bit different angle and seeing that there's nothing wrong with wanting to cook food and heat your homes and, you know, raise your families and allow for yourself to step into a little less judgment about the situation was a helpful directive that he gave me. Um, another thing he said was to offer blessings to the people and the water in their bodies and for all of the food that they eat, for all of the water contained in the food that they eat to mm -hmm. hold a higher mm -hmm. frequency of purity and perfection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just even working on it at that very simple level. So another instruction that was given to me, and I have led many groups in this, uh, as a matter of fact, most workshops that I do, I guide people into a healing of the Pacific Ocean around Fukushima because it's just something that I feel like is an ongoing situation. You know, just as an aside, the premise of energy medicine is that energy precedes form. And so this work of working on water is working at an energy level and knowing that somewhere down the line, form will be mirrored to us, but we can't get too invested in it being shown to us immediately. Just knowing that energy precedes form, I'm working at the basic level of, you know, function first and just detach from whether you get exactly what you're seeking with your prayers immediately. 
just let go of the expectation of that. So with Fukushima, that's the way I approach it. And there have been times when, uh, you know, I've led a group and we all come back out of a meditation for the Pacific Ocean and every single person in the group says, oh, the Pacific is fine. I got, you know, she's got this. Thank you for the love. But actually felt like they received more love from the consciousness of the Pacific Ocean than they were giving to the Pacific Ocean. That's interesting. So what I'm guided to work with is this idea. Radiation is a frequency. It is more in alignment with, say, the frequency that would emanate from the sun than any other aspect of life on Earth. It's more in harmony with solar radiation energy. In water, it does uh, affect the life forms in water, um, and it can affect uh, the memory aspect of water. It, it can act to uh, create a lack of struc the structure to hold the memory of its perfection. However, it you know, radiation in and of itself is not necessarily a negative. It's just in water, it's misplaced. And so what I guide groups to do is to connect in with the frequency that is the radiation and, and see it as a band of, of a frequency, a frequency band. And then with the help of Archangel Michael and all the invited guests he brings along, we as a group gather up all of the molecules of that frequency and lift it out of the water and ask Archangel Michael to shepherd it back to the sun where it at least is in a harmonious place with its own frequency. That's powerful. It's been really amazing to, to work with. So what have you learned from all of these experiences with all of these groups? That anybody can do this and, um, and that uh, whatever you can imagine, whatever drops in for you um, is and is of, you know, of a positive and, you know, heartfelt intention um, is felt on many, many levels. And all of the beings that live within water are very grateful to receive the fact that we care. And so from my perspective, uh, I feel like I'm on a journey right now to share my heart with people. Like, what is your love story with water? Because if you care about water, like Jacques Cousteau said, people protect what they love. And everybody has something about water that they love. You know, they love a hot bath. They love a long shower. They love the little pond in their subdivision or the fountain in their house or backyard. You know, and the sound that comes from that fountain. Everybody has something that, about water that they love. 
And so what is that thing within you? Because that's what's going to open you up to caring about having a deeper understanding and relationship for water or any life of any kind, whether that be a whale or, you know, or a pelican, um, to be in communication with you. And communication can and does happen. And, and communication with the natural world is amazingly fun. But it all really comes down to caring. And how you care is to connect in with what aspect of water do you love and be grateful and thank that water that participates in that love with you. The service you do is so beautiful, Jane, for the, for all of us, the planet, for all of us, because water, like, like we said, it touches everything and everyone. And it's just so beautiful. And I know, uh, because I know you, I know it comes from your heart. And um, and I, I, I'm just so grateful that you do what you do. Thank you. And where can people uh, sign up for your emails to be notified of your new moon water blessing meditations? On my website, watertransformations.com, there is uh, a link on the menu for um, subscribing to the newsletter. And uh, and people can email me, um, jane at watertransformations. And actually, we have quite a lovely community of people on the Facebook page, Water Transformations. And I think I'm going to open up a private group and just call it, you know, Water Love Stories or something on Facebook so that people have a chance to share these aspects of love that they have for water. You know, whether that's today I, you know, I experienced this precious experience or, you know, something like I, you know, I went to Lake Michigan for a swim today and <laughs> and now I'm just in love, you know whatever simple little thing that people want to share. So I'm about to start that because of this idea of telling your love story of water is now just got me so excited because I understand, you know, that that's really what it's about. It's about love um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for each mm-hmm. individual to find that for themselves and to use that as the portal to developing their relationship with it. Yeah, because water is just so fundamental to our healing. And we yeah. haven't even touched on the fact that it also mirrors our emotions. Yeah. So all the emotional <laughs> healing that's happening, and that needs to happen right now. <laughs> Mars just got yeah. here going through cancer. Uh, now it's Tell in Leo, it's in a fire sign, so no wonder everything's heating up now. Right, <laughs> right, Every place yes. is listening. I know it's hot where you are, and uh, yes. so yeah, it, it'll help with our emotions too. Yes, um, imagining yourself sitting by a still pond is a nice uh, little visual for calming down all of these waters within. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and even you know, like uh, one thing Archangel Michael told me about full moon energy. He said, you know, just imagine that the the full moon affects the tides. It has these tugs and pulls, and those also exist within the water in your body. 
And so that's why we feel sloshed around, if you will, on, on a full moon. And so here we are on a full moon day. So uh, I would say today would be a good day to to do something for oneself that really allows you to have a calm water experience, to calm those inner waters. That's beautiful. And, um, you know, I'm looking out at water right now, and I'm just seeing, like, the the dance of the sunlight on, you know, the little oh. waves that are forming, and it's just so beautiful. And then I was watching the ducks diving, and, and you know, and, and I just am so blessed to have been here all these years for eight, a little over eight years now to look out at water every day. And um, it was interesting when I wrote the chapter on blood and water and hard water to heaven, I was staying on Gold Beach, Oregon, and and overlooking the Pacific Ocean. So (laughs) I definitely have a love affair with water, and it is a love affair with me. You know what there I and I'll even say thank you for the times that you've even sent me an email and said, "Have you seen this particular situation?" You know, I know one for sure that we included Lake Ontario in our water meditation um because yeah. you brought it to my attention what was going on, and so I invite anybody that's got something that they wanna bring to my attention to to do so I mean for instance um there's a serious shortage of water in Chennai, India right now. So maybe we could all say a little prayer for for them to have some return of water to a very large city that's really in struggle right now. Mhm. Mhm. Definitely. And that the water everywhere uh comes back into balance. Balance. Pure divine crystalline form that works beautifully everywhere easily and trans transfers that information that we all need because i mean if anybody knows that if you water a plant with water from the tap versus it getting water natural water rainwater it always does better with the rainwater always isn't that amazing it's so true because it loses the information, it loses some of its structure, and that structure is the information. And and we need that. We need water. And um, what Dr. Emoto used to say, water, I love you, water, I thank you, water, I respect you. And then Katumi, mm-hmm. um, um, oh, no, it was um, uh, Dwakul channeled this. Um, Terry Newland and Sedona channeled it uh, cool and said to add, and please bring enlightenment to all those with whom you come in contact. And so when I'm around mm. water, I usually say that prayer. So, Thanks. That's lovely. Well, thank you so much, Jane. Um, is there thank anything you. else that you want to share or say to the water today? I love what you said. Thank you. I love you. I do Ho'oponopono a lot um, mm-hmm. because, you know, that idea is to restructure ourselves and then that emanates out into the world. So I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Jane, for coming on the show today. I I so appreciate your wisdom and your love for water and your service to the planet and to water. Thanks. Love you. Love your water today. <laughs> yeah. Love your water. Yeah. <laughs> love it before you drink it, especially too. Absolutely. Yes. It'll taste better. Uh, it will. It'll certainly help you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So wonderful show today. And um, next week, I have Carl Kellerman coming on. He is an author and a Mayan calendar expert. I am so excited to bring him on. He's going to talk about our current place in the multidimensional Mayan calendar. Not to be missed. That's next Tuesday, July 23rd, 2 p.m. Eastern, right here on Earth Energy Forecast. So much love to everyone. Enjoy this day. 